Turn with me to the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. We're going to be reading just two verses together. If you need a Bible, uh, our brother Joe will get that for you. If you raise your hand, he will bring a Bible to you. Romans 8, starting with the 26th verse through the 27th. Are you with me? Okay. Romans 8. Starting with the 26th verse, says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and inspired word. I've been impressed right now just to, uh, just to pray, uh, but to pray because I know that there is some things going on in Among Us. Uh, I've gotten some texts this week and some emails, um, and some of our members are going through some really difficult times. Um, one has uh, just been put in a, a 30-day um, uh, detox time, and, uh, and so... Um, we have a, another brother that is back at Teen Challenge, and, uh, and so there is a lot of things going on. Um, and, uh, so let's just, uh, let's just pray that we as a church uh, unify as in our spirits together and in the spirit of the Holy Spirit, that uh, in unity of the Holy Spirit, that we uh, can walk forward as the kingdom of God, as one people, and come alongside of the hurting and walk with them and love them. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come and we just ask in this moment that your spirit will pour out upon us, that you promise in Joel 2 that you, my spirit will pour upon uh, young men and old men, young women and old women, and that there will be um, uh, prophesying of your truth, of your word, um, that there will be healing, that there will be, that your spirit will anoint us. Uh, Lord, to, the most important thing is that your spirit will anoint us to live the life you've called us to live. Paul said, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I've preached that I myself will not lose out. He didn't talk about losing out his salvation. He was talking about losing out the opportunity to witness Jesus Christ in his entirety of his life. And Lord, we see so many distracting things. We see so many things that hold us back from witnessing that God is good and that his goodness is running after us. And so, Father, I just pray. I pray over my brother who's been uh, put into a 30-day um, 
detox program. I, thank, I pray for Mother Brother, who is, is in Teen Challenge again. I pray, Lord, for the men here especially, because, Lord, isn't it amazing how we're talking about brothers, 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 because, Lord, when a man stands up for Jesus Christ, the world has changed. And that's why, Lord, you have worked so hard to distract men. But I thank you also for these beautiful women and I pray that, Father, that you'll stand us up as a family, as one people, witnessing your name to the world. We need you. Oh, we need you. So desperately need you. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Why the Holy Spirit? Why is Paul so focused on the Holy Spirit in Romans 8? Holy means that he's separate. Separate to do What? Well, first of all, to, that in him there's no condemnation. You can live free. You're not condemned by your past. You can be free in Jesus. That what he did was he took us out of the condemnation of the holy law that said you're a sinner. And he set us free by his spirit so that you can be free in him. No longer controlled by who you were because you have a new identity in Jesus Christ. Your mind no longer governed by the things of the past, but you are now governed by Him and His Spirit in your life as you submit to Him. That you have, uh, that, that as you know that he, that he lives in you, that you are in Jesus Christ. He moves you forward. That you have been adopted into the family of God. No longer um, heirs of the the sin of this world, but you are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ living for him and that you consider the present sufferings not worth the glory that's going to be revealed in you through Jesus Christ. What an amazing future we have. What amazing hope we have. I just, I, I, I think about that we as a church have been so wimpy sitting almost cowering in this thing that we have been given, sitting looking for security in this world instead of the security that we have in, in Jesus Christ and in living under the oppression of this world instead of the freedom that we have in the Spirit of God. And now we come to a place. building. It's like he's building toward a crescendo, and he is... He is. He come to this place, this place of prayer. I, if we had, if we had freedom in, 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 in really truthful, how many of us prayed today? How many of us prayed every day this past week? How many of us prayed every day this past month? What is this thing, prayer? I mean, they put people away who talk to themselves and call it mental illness. And yet, for true believers, for true believers, you will see them talking to God in restaurants. You will see them talking to God as they walk through a store, you'll see them talking to God everywhere. 
Should they be put away? Are they, are they, are they just talking to themselves? No. No. No, they've been led. They're being led by a spirit of prayer. Because there is a real God who really loved the world so much that he sent his real son who lived really in your shoes and really died a death for your sin. No, carried your sin to the cross and then carried it to the grave so that you don't have to live under the oppression anymore. It's buried. And he rose again from the dead saying you can live a brand new life in him. It's not just words. It's not just, it's not just what religious people say. It is a fact that is both logical and goes beyond logic to the wisdom of God. And yet in America, we're like taken back when a gentleman like Joe Kennedy, who was an assistant football coach for Bermonton Washington Public School, he was, a, he was, a, he was a, um, uh, hired as an assistant coach in 2008. The first game, he went by himself after the game to the 50-yard line. He bowed silently before his God, and he cried out a thank you for safety of the young men, for allowing them to play the game. I don't know if they won or lost. I don't think that mattered to him. That from 2008 to 2015, guess what happened? Don't get that far ahead of me. <laughs> oh, you guys are good in the front row. People are going to want to move up to the front row. <laughs> but no, so what happened was slowly over time, young men followed him. And it ended up that most of the team would follow him to the middle. And they would have silent prayer, thanking God. Well, guess what that did? We're getting there. <laughs> it made parents who thought their kids were being coerced into religious acts to contact the school board and say, stop Joe from doing this. And so the board went to him, and they said, you are no longer, no, no, they said, we will make a place for you off the field in a room that you can pray. Joe said, no. We played on the field. I'm praying on the field. They then commanded him to stop praying. He wouldn't do it. So they put him on administrative lead, leave, and then they fired him in America, in America. After seven years and $2 million, he won the Supreme Court case in 2022 that gave him the right to do that and said it was upheld by our Constitution. Now, my point is not whether we should have 
prayer in public school brought back in. A pastor once said these words, and they're convicting to me. He says, if we don't have prayer in church, why are we fighting for prayer in the public school? That should convict our hearts. Because the church has not been a place of prayer. The house of God has not been a place of prayer. And the main reason is because the Holy Spirit has not been allowed to rule in the church. Human logic, human direction, human wisdom has led the church. And it has caused us to be in the case that we're at. But I want to be encouraging, not just discouraging, because... The Holy Spirit is here today. The Holy Spirit desires that his people come together and pray and cry out. It has always been his heart. The Bible says two great things of the power of of, of prayer. First of all, in Hebrews 7.25, it says that, Therefore he, Jesus, is able to save us completely those who come to God through him because he's always interceding for his people. We have total, eternal salvation because Jesus right now is speaking to the Father on your behalf, on my behalf. But in this verse today, we also are learning about the spirit of prayer, the Holy Spirit, the one who is interceding in our hearts, calling us to intercede all the time. His heart is, is moving. It, 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 it's the same spirit that in Genesis 4 was the spirit that said that at the time people began to call on the name of the Lord. He's the one who calls Samuel at the end of his judging years in Israel to say, as far as for me, far it be from me that I should sin against God by failing to pray for you. He is the one who convinced people to pray when they had no answers. Psalm 50, 15 says, call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. He is the strength behind the call to pray for revival. Psalm 80, 18 says, revive us and we will call on your name. There is no revival without prayer. There is no prayer without revival. It starts in me. It starts in you. And he is the cosmic divider of true faith versus religion. When verse, uh, Psalm 14, 4 says, all, all those um, evildoers know nothing. They devour my people, though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. The ungodly will not pray. If you're sitting here today and saying, yep, yep, pastor, I don't pray, I think you need to ask yourself a series of questions. First of all, have you truly placed your trust in Jesus Christ? That's where it starts. The second is, have you an unconfessed sin that you want to hold on to? Because the Lord says this, that if you cherish sin in your heart, he would not listen to you. Or thirdly, is there um, a spiritual battle in your life right now? The evil one's trying to shut your mouth. The evil one's trying to keep you quiet. This is the most, this third one is the most unbelieved reality in church. We've so materialized Christianity that we sometimes don't even think about the fact that there's a spiritual war going on all around us. 
every day trying to shut the mouths of believers because he knows when God's people pray, it happens. It happens. And so I believe there are two important things out of this passage that, uh, um, that, we, that I want to focus on with you today that I think you, you, need, to, you need to understand. First of all, um, uh, about, the, about the Holy Spirit's presence in prayer. First is his personal involvement in your prayer life. And second of all, the powerful action of the Holy Spirit in your prayer life. Verse 26 says, in the same way. In the, what does he mean by in the same way? What has he been talking about in the verses before? That there has been a groaning going on. You remember from the last message? There's a groaning going on, right? Creation all around us groans. Groans for the revelation of the glory of God. And it speaks of it through its, through its continual death. You know, and I, I gave you the illustration of the fact that, that um, in the springtime, that creation tries to, to recreate, and it comes back, and leaves come out, and, 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 then it, and then winter hits again, and it goes away. It's like creation continues to say, look to what's coming. There is life. There is eternal life coming, and I'm trying to show it to you by even bringing a leaf forward. But there's also a groaning in the believer's heart. In a believer's heart. The struggle between you and your flesh. That's a groaning that's going on. The, the, the struggle of the real purpose for God in your life. And, and living it out in a constant struggle to try to do for yourself. There's a groaning going on. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit is groaning. The Holy Spirit is groaning for the glory of God to be revealed. It's groaning for the coming of Jesus Christ. Yes, it is. It's groaning for that. And you will groan for that too in your life. It's groaning for the full redemption of the bodies of believers. That someday we will have a glorified body as Jesus Christ has. It's groaning that there is unity between the flesh and, and our spirit. And right now there's a division. Because in me is a new creation, but the old man is still living. But I can live into the reality of the new man. But if you don't, if you don't acknowledge that there's a war going on, you're, you're going to be overcome by it. There's a groaning for the eternal reign of righteousness in the return of Christ. That he will rule in all the universe. Says he will. He is coming. But it isn't here yet and it's groaning. And there's a groaning by the Holy Spirit uh, that our lives reflect what Joe Kennedy did. That we're so in love with Jesus Christ. That he is so much all over us that we outwardly express him to have everywhere we go and touch the Spirit of God everywhere we live. And the Spirit groans for that. The Holy Spirit is personally involved in your groaning today. I don't know what you're groaning over. I don't know what's got your heart. But the Spirit knows it. Groans with you. Our God is intimate. He loves you. And He desires that, you're, that you and him talk with each other, share with each other. He, yes, he knows ahead of time what you need, but he wants you to talk to him about it because he groans with you. 
God is not a God that's sitting up there and saying, well, just get over it, pull up your bootstraps, and get on with it. He is a God who's intimately involved with you and in you. If you're a believer today, one of your greatest things that you've grown for is the coming of the Lord. One of the strangest things that I've heard amongst Christians is their fear of dying. When the Lord says that precious in the sight, precious in the sight of him is the death of his saints, why are we afraid? There's only one reason we're afraid is because the evil one keeps us in that mode. Do not groan over that. Groan over the fact that they're lost. Groan over the fact that, that in this world, it's just hard. No, no, it's just hard. Yeah, yeah, come on. It's hard, isn't it? Yes, it is. Nothing wrong with groaning about that, but let that then propel your heart to desire more intimacy with him, to desire him to come back, and that the glory of God is revealed in us. When you get, when your groanings align with the groanings of the Holy Spirit, you're going to find yourself telling more people about Jesus. Because you're just going to feel it. In all your relationships. Today, um, a sister of ours brought a friend with her. I'm excited about that. Her heart's groaning and groaning and groaning for Jesus Christ. I can see it in her face. Is your heart groaning as the Spirit is groaning for the glory of God to be revealed? And this is not just groaning right here, but he said wordless groanings. Groans are defined as audible expressions of anguish due to physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. It is a condition of pain that comes from an experience that is sorrowful and unsatisfying because it comes from experience that seems torturous have you had some torturous experiences in your life i have absolutely what have they done have they caused you to get caught up in the drama of them and to stay there or have they caused you to get on your knees and say lord i need you every hour i need you I can't do this life without you. I don't want to anymore because it always ends in a place that's away from you and I don't want to be away from you. I want to be in your presence. And sometimes those become wordless. They become to a place where humans cannot express it. And in the midst of it, what's going on? You need to know this. What's going on with the Spirit? Is he like caught up in like, oh, I don't know what to do. No, he's not. He's caught up in the fact that he's so intimate with the Father. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to the Spirit of God. In 1, in 1 Corinthians 2, 10, it says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And in that moment, when life is absolutely outside of your ability to, uh, to deal with it, His Spirit is communing with the Spirit of His Father, and that then comes to your heart in unity with Him and becomes your reality. And your life has changed because in the midst of what seems hopeless, he's your hope. And you hear the word of God even though you can't express it yourself. 
Have you had times like that? Have you had times where you like were so like, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. What did you do in that moment? Did you drop to your knees and say, God, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just going to lay before you quiet because I have no words for this moment. But you do. You're speaking to the Father right now, Spirit, that lives inside of me, and you've got the solution. I am so trusting you. Trust and obey, for there's no better way to be happy in Jesus than trust and obey. We've been there, haven't we? Those are great places to be. Great places to be. We have too many answers for our problems that become no answers at all. They just become a continuation of the problem. But I am telling you, if you'll trust in the answer, Jesus Christ, and you'll believe even at the moment that you don't know what to say, that he is your answer. And instead of, instead of being driven by the drama of that moment, you fall on your face before him and you cry out, you're my answer. I don't have an answer. That's exactly where you need to be. Yes, they're wordless. Yes. But those are the greatest moments. That is where God moves. That is where God moves. Oswald Chambers says that it's at our wit's end where God begins. When we come to the end of ourselves, that's where he begins. And oh, for America, we need that word. We've been taught all our life you got the answer. You are the answer. America's the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. And we need him desperately. So not only uh, does he groan with us and are they wordless groans that he speaks to the Father in and that he then brings hope into our life and we keep moving forward, but he also, verse 26, says that the Spirit himself intercedes for us. He is not only involved in being our security, he is our security. I remember I was at Kuiper College, and I was going to school, and um, I, uh, um, my job, who had given me a part-time job for a year, had just told me that they're, they're letting everybody go, and all the part-timers, all the summer help, and I was out the door. I went to Sue um, shortly before that, and knocked on the door where she was cleaning the house, and and uh, she looked at me and she said, what in the world are you doing here? Has something terrible happened? I said, honey, I lost my job. And she said, oh, is that it? And uh, I stood in the uh, financial department and I was just asking God in my heart. I said, I don't have an answer for this. I, I don't know what job you want me to go to. I'm at Wedgwood right now, but I don't really feel that you want me there full time. And so I just, you know, what job do you have for me? And as I stood there, Asking that question, the financial guy came up and said, Wayne, what are you doing for a job this summer? What are you in my head? And I said, I don't know. He gave me a number. And he said, call this guy. So I called uh, Lawrence Boss. And uh, I went over there. He wanted me to take care of his farm. Well, I'm a city boy. I never worked on a farm before. So I gave him all the reasons why I couldn't do the job. He got done. He said, you got the job. You can do it. Stop it. 
that's my God. That's the God I serve. Because he knew better what I needed than what I needed, that I thought I knew what I needed. And so, you know, he is um, um, the Holy, listen, the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ is your life. He's your life. He has it. Trust him. The Bible says that he is the deposit guaranteeing our future. And so, and so he has it, now listen to me, he has it in his mind to give you life. To give you life. And if anybody's honest with me, so many of my decisions have been decisions of death, not life. And so if he's the one, and he's the one guaranteeing it, that means that he is personally involved and, and in, in, in your new created life. He's, he groans with you as he groans with the, with, with the desire for, for, the, for Christ to come back. He groans with you, and he is interceding on your behalf in every situation that you're in. He knows it intimately. This is where we get personal with God. This is where we, we talk to him about everything. Anything that's happening. It doesn't matter what it is. We talk to him about it. Why? Because we believe he groans with us. He's not like outside of us going, oh yeah, you just get your act together. But also the fact that he's interceding. And as you're talking to him, he gets your heart. He understands the depression you're feeling. He understands where you come from. He knows you. He groans with you, and in that, you, have you ever had somebody walk with you through a really hard time? I had my, my first discipler died, and um, and I, uh, I mean, I was just like, I was mad at God for four years. Let me be honest with you. Took my first discipler away, and it's just like, why'd you do that? I love Dave. I, you know, what he brought into my life was just amazing. And, uh, and I, had a, I had a nephew of mine that walked with me. And, uh, and him and I memorized uh, Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And we actually put it to a song. No, I will not sing it for you. But, but he walked with me in that really dark time. Have you ever had anybody do that? That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit that lives with you walks with you through everything of your life. He groans with you. He is interceding for you. He is, he is intimate with you. Do, is that the experience that you have? No, no, answer that in your heart. Is that the experience you have? Because if it's not, you don't know him. That is a guarantee to every. Everyone who receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever felt like you don't fit in this world? Have you ever wondered what your life was about? Come to Jesus. The Spirit comes. He groans with you. He hurts. No, he doesn't always take away our pain. Why is that? Because it's in our pain that we're trained. Without pain, you're never trained. No, you're not. 
It has never been the comfort of your life, the security of your life, the financial security of your life that has ever brought you any new growth. It is always going through the difficult times, through the times where I have no idea how to get through this. Anybody in this room have a time in your life where you just could not, you don't know where it's going, you don't know where this is going to end up, it doesn't look good, I'm, 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 I have no answers. The ones who don't raise their hands either are not tracking with me or uh, you need to be preaching because I have, I have. And the Spirit of God is personally involved in your life. And I pray that you know him. I love this. I, I, I read this in some of my uh, studies. It says that it, it is the sustaining prayer of Jesus to the Father as our high priest that is our salvation. It is the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit that keeps us from falling back into unredeemed sin. The never-ending work of Christ and the never-ending power of the Holy Spirit. So what is that power? According to this verse, what is that power? First of all, the power is, do you see it? Helps us win in our weakness. Anybody here got weaknesses? Anybody in this room? The power of the Holy Spirit reveals the weaknesses that we have in of ourselves. We at this church talk about the dependency on God as being our number one core value because we've come to realize something. If we're not dependent on Jesus Christ, we're going to live a religious life with a lot of knowledge but now with a lot of power. And so it, it, it's, it's, it's the dependence on Christ, on seeing ourselves for who we really are, that drives a church from being man opinion to God's wisdom. As the power of the Spirit reveals our great need for him, he leads us in morality, speaking the truth, witnessing to others. That's actually our second our second core value is being a witness. Why is that? Because we realized as a core, core team of this church that you will never witness your faith to anyone else unless you're totally dependent on him. Because you're always going to say, well, I don't know enough, or I'm scared, I, I can't do it, or on and on these excuses go. Because I'm dependent on this instead of dependent on him. And so it is him Revealing to us uh, that without him we are weak. He is, he is the power to do the good works he's called us to do. We learn, uh, we learn that our need for leaning on him is everything of utmost importance. Philippians 1.19 says, For I know, Paul talking to the Philippians about being in prison, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Can you believe that? Can you believe that, sister, that, that your husband is in 30-day detox because it can work out to his deliverance by being in there? Can we believe for our brother in, um, in Teen Challenge? that it could be for his deliverance that he's been put back there? You see, eternal deliverance is more important than God taking away world struggles. 
our deliverance is more important to God than what we're going through. We so many times spend too much time saying, God, take this away from me and not realizing that it's in the midst of it that God is trying to do a great work in your life. We ought to pray. I love the fact that, listen, we all struggle with this. And you know what? Guess who else did? The Apostle Paul. Because in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said three times, take away this tormenting um, thorn in my flesh. What was God's answer? My grace is sufficient for you. You see, Paul didn't even know. He was in so much pain, he didn't know how to pray. But the Spirit revealed to him that actually this moment, my grace is enough for you. Yes, you're weak, but I'm strong. And in that moment, Paul got it. And he said, what? What did he say? Go ahead, say it aloud. I, I'll boast. Yeah, listen, I'll boast about my weaknesses. Not only, oh, I, I just got to get through this. No, 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 no. This is the very point of God in my life. How many things have you been struggling with because at this moment, when you see your weakness, when you see your sin, when you see the things that you've done, when you see your weakness, you take Satan's lie by saying, see, you're destroyed. No, no, you have to understand something. Wicked people are not reminded of their sins. They celebrate them. the Holy Spirit living inside somebody when he brings them to the place of seeing their weaknesses, of seeing what's going on, just like with Paul. It's because that's the point he's saying, this is where my power is going to be revealed. For so long, there's been people in here that have looked at their lives and say, the way I was created, what I can't do, what, what, what situations have been in my life, oh, oh, I'm just overcome by them. And Jesus Christ says in the midst of it, no, you're not. In this world, you'll have trouble. But take heart. I've what? I've overcome them. I, you tell me right now. That thing that has been burdening you for years because you think, oh, this is, this is my weakness, this makes me nothing. Are you kidding me? It's only being revealed to you because the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 it's at this point. If you'll let me lead, if you'll let me be God, if you'll let me, I will show you my power in the midst of it. Johnny Erickson Tata dove off, of a, dove off of a dock, cracked her neck, and became a quadriplegic. She sat in that hospital begging God to die. She didn't have the strength to take her life. She had no movement in her hands, no movement in her feet. All she could move was her head begging God to die, asked friends, will you kill me? I can't live this way. Over 50 years of ministry, 
Do you understand that the power of the Spirit in revealing your weakness is the exact point in which His power can be revealed through your life? And that you can touch people that I never will? Can you believe that? That is the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't even know how to pray. But in our weakness, his strength is made known. Can you come before him in your weakness and cry out and say, God, here I am. Don't you find it interesting that Jesus himself on earth says to Peter, Simon, 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 Satan has asked to sift you. What? Has asked to sift you. Excuse me? A created angel asks the creator to destroy one of his disciples. What did Jesus do? What he could have done is said, not going to happen. You're done. He didn't do that. What did he do? He prayed. He prayed. And he, he said this. He said, I prayed this, that your faith will not fail, and when you have turned back, that you strengthen the brothers. Did he do it? And he did. What is Jesus praying over your life right now? Because in the crowd this size, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that Satan has asked to sift you. Yes, he has. He has asked that he come and just, remember like Job, right? He's standing before him and he's asked to destroy your life. I don't know what you've all gone through. I don't know what situations at that beg over top of you that you're destroyed. But I am telling you, people of God, it can be at that very moment, if you will bend your knee and bow before the God of all creation, and you will say, I see it, and I cry out to you. I may do it in wordless, in wordless groans because I don't even know how to pray, but this pastor on Sunday told me that it's at this very point in my life that you can do a mighty thing. And I believe in you. And I believe you help me in your, my weaknesses. And I believe that even when I don't know what to pray for, you are God. You know, another reason why we need the Holy Spirit to help us with prayer is because sometimes we're driven by sympathy and uh, by sentiment. That somehow, Lord, just remove their pain Lord, just, just take away their pain. We're so, we're so indoctrinated with comfort that we sometimes forget that sometimes God brought that for the very thing that, that they need. The third thing that he does is he searches our hearts. The Spirit reveals the vast knowledge of God who knows better than yourself you. In Jeremiah 17.10, says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to their deeds deserved. The power of the Spirit is the fact that he knows if we're living real or if we're living fake. I had a friend of mine 
who grew up in the Catholic Church. He became part of the Catholic uh, Pentecostal movement and, uh, and told me wild and crazy stories of how the Spirit worked uh, in his younger years. Um, and uh, he ended up, as he got older, he was married, uh, and he wrote a book called um, Forged in the Fire. And it was a book comparing and contrasting David and Saul and how the two of them, both called by God, how the two of them ended up, one trusting the Lord, the other walking away from the Lord. And uh, unfortunately, my friend did the same thing. Divorced twice, walked away from the Lord, narcissism leading his life, and today he's more Saul than he is David. The power of the Holy Spirit reveals that no one can hide from the all-seeing God. He knows each and every one of us intimately and deeply. His revelation is not for our destruction, for, but, but for our benefit. That we may see ourselves honestly, repent of our sin, turn back to God, and live a life full of truth and honesty before him. That is why the psalmist says, search me. God and know my heart, test me and see if there is any, any, um, oh, and know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. As the Holy Spirit of God is the spirit of prayer, he's personal, he's walking with us, he groans with us, he knows us intimately. He is powerful because he helps us in our weakness. He leads us in our prayers, and he reveals that our creator knows us deeply. In knowing this truth, we become vulnerable and open before our God as an open book. You know, all humans, even us in church, work to hide and isolate ourselves so much. And that becomes a vision of foolishness because God knows everything about us. He knows our hearts. He knows where we're at. And so can we be aligned with him as his spirit is aligned with the Father and the Son? And can we live our life that way? If we do, then we truly can echo the attitude of our Savior as he taught us to pray, you are our Father in heaven. You are holy. I want your kingdom over mine. I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are the true provider of everything. You forgive, forgave me, so I will forgive others. You lead me every day, not in temptation, because you are my deliverer. And yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Can you pray with that kind of attitude? Can you pray with that kind of hope? Can you truly believe that the Spirit of God that lives in you knows you well, you're not alone, and is the power for you to overcome the life that you're living right now? I am telling you, your life will be, will be different. It doesn't mean that, that all, your, all your things go away. Okay, let's, let's just get on that. It doesn't mean it all goes away, but in the midst of it, you're an overcomer. Anybody here want to be an overcomer in the midst of it? 
in the midst of their problems. You know, they're, 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 Johnny Erickson Tata, her greatest witness was the fact in the midst of a body that couldn't do anything, she was caught up in the spirit that could do everything. Do you know she painted and she sang and she, she, has, she has done a, um, uh, a radio program for years to the invalids. They, she has raised millions and millions of dollars to bring wheelchairs all over the world. With what? Her arms? Her legs? Her muscles? Her strength? Her God. Finite. Her God. Because what is impossible for man is possible for God. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? It changes everything. How many times have you said, this is impossible? In Jesus, it's not impossible. I don't care where you're at. One thing that has always given me hope is this, this phrase. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord, Lord is the maker of both. Wait a minute. Isn't our one and only desire to get out of our poorness or for rich people to gain more money? Wasn't Rockefeller said how much, you know, he was asked how much more money you need? Uh, one more dollar. People of God, if, if you're sinning and it's causing poorness, or if you're sinning in the midst of your richness, you're empty. I don't care what you have. But if you're trusting in the Holy Spirit, if you're trusting in his leading, that he is intimate with you and that he is powerful in you, whether you're rich or poor, it does not matter. Because he's your creator. He put you in that place so that you could share the good news with people in your place. Whether it's in Townline, whether it's in, in, in the mobile home parks, whether it's in a rich part of this country, it doesn't matter. He put you there so that you could witness. And I pray to God that you get that.